The Diamondbacks' postseason hits took a massive hit this week, dropping five of six between the Dodgers and the Baltimore Orioles. We're going to talk about that, compare the Diamondbacks' rebuild to the Orioles over the last four seasons, and then we're going to preview the path ahead for the Diamondbacks to try and get into the postseason as the final wildcard team in the National League. All that on today's episode of Snakes on the Diamond. And greetings, everyone. If you're having a good Labor Day, if you're enjoying the day off here on on Snakes on the Diamond, we don't take days off. We continue to <coughs> publish episodes between every series. I'm Mike McDermott. So for those new to the show, I'm Mike McDermott. I contribute for part of the beat on Fan Nation's Inside Diamondbacks on Sports Illustrated's website. And I'm the guy that's recording the uh, shorts that everyone gets into. And I'm joined today by Wesley my co-host. Byer. So Wes, Byer's how are you doing there. today? I'm good. Although, I mean, it could have been, it in terms of just general sense, I'm good. In terms of a Diamondbacks fan, I'm, it could have been worse. They did just slightly better than the worst case scenario, which is getting swept by both the Orioles and the, the Dodgers last week. But they won a game. So, you know, that's, that's a positive, right? Got to find positives po- in this, these days and age, in this day yeah. and age. The one positive is despite a one in five week, they still hold on to a playoff spot. Although holding on to a playoff spot is uh, a, a big caveat there. They're tied. They're yeah. tied for third place with uh, like two other, with two other teams or three other teams. Three other teams. There's three te- There are three teams that are three games over 500 right now. So you have the yeah. Diamondbacks, the Reds, the Marlins, and the Giants. And the Reds are only percentage points behind because they have played two more games, one more win, one more loss than the Marlins, Diamondbacks, and Giants at 17-67. I mean, that's kind of that's precar- that's a precarious hold on a postseason uh, spot because like I might the season record on those. Not sure how that would shake out of who, because there's no game 163 or whatever anymore. There's no, you know, if there's a tie, if there's a three-way tie, I'm not sure how that would work um, if the game season ended today. So, I mean, that's, you can't rest on your laurels if you're the Diamondbacks. They're going to have to do a lot better than this. Although those are the two best teams really in the league and in the league in general. So, I mean, other than the Braves. Yeah, there's some... I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that'd shake out with uh, the season end of the day. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's a very interesting uh, tiebreaker, but obviously I'm not sure. If there's a... how the tiebreaker is gonna go for the if there are four teams tied for a playoff yeah. spot. That'd be. Yeah, I'm not sure how that'd that be something. Uh, I was actually, I really would love for that to happen just because it would just make a mess for Rob Manfred and, uh, you know, the the rules committee. Because, like, I really, I did not like the changes to the, you know, the, just the, how the playoff. I mean, I don't even know how it works anymore. That's the thing. Like, it was very easy to figure it out before, you know, it's like, oh, there's a tie. Well, they have a, a tiebreaker game. Now they don't do that. So I don't really, I don't really get it. Um, how are you? How are you feeling as a Diamondbacks fan right now, Michael? Well, 
Well, let's just hope that. Well, you're gonna have to. I think for D backs, they're gonna have to get to 85 wins in order to separate themselves from the field. And based on remaining strength of schedule, the Reds have the easiest schedule. Although the uh, pitching staff is starting to succumb to uh, injuries and illnesses, yeah. alike. So you never know how that team's gonna go. Plus, uh, the Marlins kind of surged of lately. They have the pitching, I think, to uh, make a run, but. Their offense obviously has held them back all yeah, year. Very questionable. I like their post other their uh, their deadline moves. I mean, uh, Berger is a Jake. I mean, his name is Berger, and that's just like I really just he's been a decent addition, good fit for him. I don't know how he's been in the last like week, but I like their additions at least initially. Uh, the I I feel like more like I don't see both. I mean, this could be a really interesting situation. They're all good young team. It's hard to project their what they're going to do we play the giants in what neither next week or two weeks something like that yeah i was gonna say you look at burger and uh it's having a pretty good year but his run with the marlins i think is a little bit unsustainable in a sense because he's hitting 370 on balls in play especially for a guy who does who strike who has a who does really walk much but obviously burger has a career home run rate of six percent so he's going to hit, and home runs don't typically count towards your balls in play average. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I see the Marlins kind of fading down the, the stretch with their, just the injuries catching up. They are a young team, so, like, who knows if they're going to – like, we don't play we don't play them again, so they're a team we do have to worry about. Like, they're, they don't – we don't control what the Marlins are going to do. Yeah, I don't think there's any sophisticated tiebreakers on the standings. They're listed alphabetically. For the uh, three yeah. teams that are 70 and 67. And then you look you look at the four teams in there. You look at the four teams in there. Uh, they either want, they're either four and six or five and five in their last ten. Miami's the only team that's gone five and five, and they're on a four-game winning streak right now. That doesn't seem very sustainable to me. That's really the thing. They, they, I see them falling back to earth. They've been very hot for last week. Um, that's how they've been doing. So, <laughs> answered my question earlier. Uh, we play the Rockies. I mean, in terms of our strength of schedule, there's not a lot of tough teams left. It's like the Astros, uh, the Giants, um, and the Cubs. Yeah, I was going to say, those are teams that I think the Diamondbacks can give a series, but obviously I thought they could give Baltimore a tougher series. They sort of did, but yeah. didn't at the same time. Now let's talk. Let's talk about that. I mean, the, you know, the Orioles series. I, 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 I suggested that they. I wouldn't be surprised if they got swept. So them just winning a game, uh, that's, you know, good enough for me. They could. They. I really looked like to me that they could have taken two of three from the the Orioles and they could have taken one of those games against the Dodgers. So the best case scenario for luck had just gone a little better when, when walking away with uh, barely a winning week. So uh, yeah, you'd like to see them do better against the Orioles. They're, they're a tough team because you can really see like the kind of team that they built. Yeah. And that line, that there's no breaks in that Orioles lineup. One through nine. That's the, that's the big thing you see in that one. I'm seeing it yesterday. Obviously, there were a lot of hits that were that got through the right side of the infield yesterday. In my opinion, the Cattell Marte at second, Paven Smith 
at first base infield lineman should be considered illegal? Yeah. Um, that's that's something that we can get right into. Is I was looking at Zach Gallon's last two games. Uh, so that was yesterday and then on the 28th. Uh, if you look at his fielding independent – the fielding independent pitching stats, he had a two – he should have like a two given up his two runs. Um, so clearly the, the bad defense like really played a big factor. I, yeah, playing Taven Smith – uh, yeah, that's just not. It's not good, no matter what you're doing, Michael. You can put him anywhere. He's still not a good, good fielder. Uh, he's like a, a significant downgrade from Christian Walker at first base, uh, and in like any outfield spot. Um, but yeah, looking at the actual like, you know, play by play and like quickly recapping yesterday's game because I did not watch it. Um, yeah, every it's really seemed like the defense played a huge factor in it um what else do you think like really contributed to that bad start by now because there's a lot of balls that went uh that were and then there was uh one play that Marte got glove on it was a 102 mile hour grounder from Cedric Mullins with the t- go-ahead run at what ended up being the winning run eventually at third base Marte could not all he could do was slow it down he could and couldn't knock it down to even get the out at first base and that that ended up avalanching into a huge inning because Kyle Nelson couldn't get anyone out because Kyle Nelson can't pitch when it matters. Unfortunately, yeah. you look at his medium high leverage splits, they're not very good. Yeah, and he it's a really cave under pressure. And that's uh save for maybe one or two arms in Dimex Pulpen, that, that that pretty much tells the story of the entire bullpen. Yeah. That's like high, in high leverage situations you'll You'll take Ginkle, you'll take Seawall because they can handle it, handle those situations. But you look at the rest of the bullpen; it's a, uh, it's okay. pitch and hope it works out. Uh, I, I honestly have a hard time watching this bullpen at times. If it's not uh, the two, I mean, even Seawall has been uh, not as. I mean, he's been improving over all the other guys. Uh, certainly over some of the guys we were running out, you know, prior to acquiring him. And the ninth thing is nice having a designated like guy for that, but like you have to like it's like you you you, you close your eyes and hope and pray every time that uh, Lavello goes through the bullpen and, and, and it's anyone you know other than Ginkle and Seawald. Uh, they just called up Andrew Salfrank, which maybe that will be a you know having another left-handed option out of the out of the bullpen could be could be helpful, but. At the end of the month, that that, that may not, but you know, we know how that goes with, you know, how Lavello uses the bullpen. You know, I was going to say, in the case of Sal Frank, he's not postseason because he was just added to the forty-man roster today. Dominic Fletcher yeah. was moved to the sixty-day IL. Left index finger fracture is your corresponding forty-man move. Slate Sacconi option to Reno as the 26, 28-man roster move. And Sal Frank has a lot of swing and miss in his game. Although, curiously enough, the last couple of years he's had reverse platoon splits, which is kind of weird because his outpitch is a breaking ball as opposed to a changeup. That is very That's... odd. I don't think that will last. I don't think so either. Kind of just. I mean, if you if you if you worry about platoon splits, reverse platoon splits, and I. Uh, a minor league relief reliever. You have to remember, like it's a massively small sample size. Uh, just we're talking last, last, you can really, last two yeah, years. 
that's how many innings? Like uh, probably about a hundred or so, I would say. Yeah, so that's really not enough to like project on that. So hopefully he's, you know, that's an option that'll prove the bullpen. But still, like the Diamondbacks bullpen has really been, uh, not good. And then I, uh, big innings. That's the thing that's like really been biting them is it's like having a starting pitcher could you know give up does you know too much to overcome. Yeah, it was like Sacconi gave up six inning, six runs in a without ret- and basically gave up seven straight hits, and they weren't cheap hits either. They were they were yeah. off the barrel. Those were balls getting hit off the barrel, in the bat. To the point where everyone was wondering, is he tipping pitches? But I think it was a case where he was just throwing too many middle middle strikes, and they and the Orioles r- rightfully punished those pitches. I have, I always wonder sometimes with things like that because it's, it's, is how much, I mean, I, I'd have to, I don't think he was tipping his pitches. He might have been, uh, just, you know, I, I could not finish watching that inning. That's, that was, uh, that was playing yeah, turned off the first, TV in that game. First time through, they were flying as sliders, but perhaps yeah. they saw this. Maybe the Orioles just have a bunch of talented hitters that can recognize pitch tunnels very quickly and can make the adjustment one at bat. I think Rushman certainly has the capability of uh, picking up on it. Uh, just like he's that competent of a, a hitter and a catcher that I, I guarantee if he was tipping his pitches, I would not be like it. Probably Rushman. I don't know who else on the team I mean, Henderson is your AL rookie of the yeah. year. Yeah, Gunnar Henderson, one of them. Maybe, you know, actually that's – there's some there, I think. They are a very talented, like, well-hitting team. That, like, I mean, they're really they, – their talent is impressive. Like, I I think I'd underrated them. You know, because you always, like, when a team assembles that many good prospects, you're like, eh, there's no way that many of them are going to work out. And the Orioles have had, like, just great luck with the uh, – I, I don't even call it luck. They just have the best drafting and uh, – Scouting and just they the best. For, they've had the best farm system for the last two, three years, and it's still yeah, the best I, farm system now. I'm, I yeah, and that's that is an accomplishment when they've had that many promotions. Like they're basically, uh, same position as the Dynamax. They promoted a bunch of guys, but all the guys that are still in their system are just as good. Like they have that much quality, and uh, it's, it's that's a, that's the kind of what I like to see the Dynamax do. I don't know if they'll ever get to that point of, of assembling you know like like talent like that because like hopefully this is sustainable for the orioles I, that's what at, i want to see you know that's what i want to see because you look at their top prospect jackson holiday he's a surefire shortstop except for the fact that he has no chance of playing shortstop in baltimore because yeah. they already got a guy there yeah he's not going to be playing shortstop and uh it, they, that's he'd be a shortstop uh, on 29 other teams oh shucks i have too many uh good players and prospects Oh, woe is me. Yeah, if only we had to be, you know, like, you know, blessed with that kind of curse of having too many good prospects. We've, we, we might, we eat. might, with, we might soon with Lawler and Tommy Troy, though. So, no, I don't think keep so. An eye on that. You don't think so? No, nah, they don't have enough. It's like by the time you have those, those two guys coming up, you're going to need to open, you're going to need to fill second base. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a. But it, like it, I said, it, you like, have a. If you have a conundrum, it's like, how do you play an infield of uh, Troy, Lawler, Groover, and Luis? That would be a nice problem to have. But we're talking yeah, players that, down the road. Yeah, that that is uh, 
I mean, I, the ideal the ideal outcome right now is I'm back to get too far off. I think it would be uh, you have Waller come up, kind of. I, I think it's you you play him at shortstop and move Perdomo. We talked about that last night. Uh, then you have uh, you, there's Christopher Torin, uh, Yancel Luis, uh, Tom Troy. I mean, like they do, they have done very well at draft, drafting middle infielders and 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 outfielders generally. So I really, they might be so lucky. It's not you know a knock on wood, but uh, that's the outcome is that like all of them. I mean, they're not all going to pan out. That's just the thing you have to accept as a the baseball fan. It's like not all of your teams are gonna, you know, like not all the prospects are gonna pan out. They're not all gonna, you know, reach their ceiling. You're gonna have a lot of them at this point. Yeah, we're talking about guys that are gonna be here like 25, hitting the big leagues 25, 26 season at the earliest. Yeah. So let's uh get back into what's ahead of them for the final 25 games. So for me to get in the postseason. They have to get the 85 wins. That's 15 and 10 from here, or 600 winning percentage. The D-backs did sustain that that kind of winning percentage for their first 80 games, but this team has a very razor-thin margin to win baseball games right now, and that's partly due to the fact that they see, they come up small in big situations offensively, and that puts a lot of pressure on the pitching staff to pitch well. They're pretty good at winning low-scoring games, but when their pitching isn't, when their pitching is up more than five runs, yeah. and that's when they're in trouble. Because I, right now, they're struggling to score five runs. Uh, yeah, I mean, what we need to see is, I mean, it's been nice seeing uh, Gurriel's been, uh, I'd say he's been hot. Walker's been hot. Corbin Carroll has been mashing home runs. He might make it to to thirty home runs. Uh, he's only six away. He could certainly do that in twenty-five games. You need that to happen. You need Corbin Carroll to have a 30 home run season. You need uh, Christian Walker to maybe get to 40 home runs. Have a like real offense show up. Like I mean, if, if the we get Paven Smith out of the lineup, and uh, you know, better this a better choice of starting lineups and you know all that. I think that's really what I'm seeing is it's like running Buddy kind of the out there for a series now running Paven Smith out for a series. I don't think either either Paven Smith didn't have a hit or a walk uh, in that whole series. So, like you can't you can't do that. You can't afford to have a a guy do that. You you either need to you know he needs to actually hit or just don't play him. We're stacking uh, what a three batter lineup of trying to think what was who was what was their six through eight hitters yesterday? They had uh... Chase Peterson was one of them. It was Jace Pierce and Jose Rare were your seven and eight hitters, and then your six hitter was, oh, Paven Smith. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I do, I mean, they need to keep Gabriel Moreno in the in the. the Moreno obviously can't play. It. Yeah, I not, mean, he can't he play every play. game, but he he certainly could be, uh, you know, in the lineup more often against you know. Opposite-handed pitching. I mean, it's it's. I I don't think that really is great to have a. To you know leave a, a you know for a player's development to to be like oh, okay well I'm just gonna platoon him the whole time, that doesn't help a player's development. They don't ever see, opposite-handed pitching. I mean, it's pretty obvious if the guy can't hit a certain side, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they gave I mean, I, 
I mean, if you watch the bats of Pavin Smith against the lefty, he's basically hoping he sees four balls before he sees three strikes. Yeah, they don't do that. I mean, I mean, I don't mind seeing Pavin uh, against right-handed pitching. Uh, it's just one of those things that they just need to put the best players on the field, and I don't think they've been doing that. It's something that Tori said. It's like, is 100% of one player better than like 70, 80% of another? And that's the question that, yeah, that's the question you ask when you rest guys, obviously. The Walker, and then in Walker's case, obviously, was rest, uh, took a rest day because of getting hit on, hit on the pitch and having to leave Saturday's game. But obviously, he's fine because yeah. two pinch hit bats, a deep fly out the center field, and then uh, his 30th home run of the year, making him the fifth Diamondback in franchise history with back to back 30 homer seasons. Steve Finley in 99 and 2000, Luis Gonzalez 2000-2001, Mark Reynolds 2009-2010, and Paul Goldschmidt 2017-2018 are your previous four. That's your who's who of the top power hitters in franchise history. It's about, I mean, that's the, there's a few one-offs, like, you know, Troy Gloss. I don't remember what he did. Well, Gloss only played one season. He played one season, you know, or J.D. Martinez, but half a season but like i mean yeah those are or tony clark's the other one that had a very impressive just out of nowhere great year um i yeah i just i don't i i'm of the opinion like yeah okay walker needed rest get hit in the elbow and your hand goes numb yeah probably a good idea to sit him for a day you know i get it but it just doesn't seem like they're putting their their best starting nine and you know on the field that's kind of how I feel about it. So yeah, if you look at the list, Gonzo is number one all time. Goldie number two. Steve Finley third. Mark Reynolds fifth. Christian Walker sixth. So that's uh, five. You're back to back thirty homer guys. That's five of the top six all time, and home runs with the franchise. Basically, Chris Young sneaks in at the fourth spot, although he had a thirty two homer season. In 2007. Yeah, you know, Christian Walker, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's obviously he's hitting fine. I mean, he's had another, really been an ass since Goldie Lab. I mean, if you look at it, really, is since, uh, how many seasons in a row is it with a 30 home run season from a first baseman? The Diamondbacks first baseman? Well, nobody's ever done it three. No one's ever done it three times, but obviously Goldschmidt has the most 30 homer seasons in franchise history. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very nice run between uh, Paul Goldschmidt and uh, Christian Walker. Uh, I mean, just the fact that that Christian Walker has been able to, and to Goldie's credit, I mean, he's, he's getting there up there in age, uh, like myself. Uh, and he's still, you know, this is the worst season of his career, and he's just now, you know, since like, you know, now he's getting to his late thirties. So this past in the thirties, he's been he was pretty much, you know, earned that contract. Right. But Christian Walker has been just, like just as good, if not arguably better, just based on his defense outside of last year. Well, I would say the numbers are still better for Goldschmidt. Obviously, you take the MVP. Yeah, and Walker had some pretty bad season. I would say pretty bad seasons in comparison. Now, if who you're asking who the better players today, the answer is Walker. But yeah, absolutely. We forget that in the fi- uh, first, what 
Uh, first five years now, St. Louis Goldie's up at the 21.6 war where you compare to Walker. And when we say war, we're doing baseball reference war because it's hard to add on fan graphs, whereas baseball reference, if you have an account, it's very easy to add up. Yeah, we've gone so over this. I, I pretend the 01 and or the 2021 season and the 2020 season, like those didn't happen. They didn't exist. We're just going to pretend like those didn't happen. That's my argument. And those were just you, horrible years. You take a... And then, uh, well, if you look at uh, 2020... Oh, wait, no, Walker was below average and. Yep, twenty twenty, but I I don't know. Like I said, it's weird. That doesn't count. That doesn't. This doesn't count. Okay, especially if you're a Diamondbacks fan, it definitely does not count. Um, because we all know why. So yeah, Walker's on. So yeah, I'm looking at it and it's like, Walker should be on pace for a career high in at least offense. OPS is OPS plus at one thirty seven is eleven points higher than last year. And after the game last night, I took a, a stat head search on uh, players with two hundred, uh, two seventy or better batting average and thirty homers. There are only seven players in Major League Baseball this season that are doing that. Let's see how many of them you can name. Um, Put you right on the spot here. What what were the what are the qualifiers again? Two seventy batting average, thirty homers. That's it. Um, Otani, Acuna, Mookie Betts. Um, I don't think. Oh, what's his name? On um, Carpenter, Matt Carpenter, is that one of them? No, uh, Matt Carpenter is basically benched. Matt Olson. One of the, uh, the whoever. Not Matt Olson. That average is not there. I'm trying to think. Um, I can't think of the other, the other ones. Austin Riley, Marcel Ozuna. Okay. No, I'm drawing a blank, and obviously Walker's one of them, so you just have to figure out who the seventh player is. Oh, I have the name, yeah, but you have to guess. I have no idea. Non-contending team. Non-contending team. Um, well, I mean, I said a ton already, so. No, another that's non-contending that. team. That's in an even worse shape than the. Uh, oh, 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 Bobby Witt? Nope. Um, I don't think what's there in the home run department. Yeah, he's not. He has, he, I think he has like uh, one more home run than, than Corbin Carroll. Um, I have no idea. I'm drawing a blank. Luis Robert Jr. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's White Sox, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I totally forget. I, I forget the top White Sox. You know. It's amazing how much a different player Bobby Witt Jr. is when his fielding runs goes from minus 22 to minus 1. God, yeah, I could geek out on Bobby Witt for a while. He's really, like, broken out as a player. He's, uh, like, I, he, if he if he was hitting like this, like, last year, he, you need to make, I mean, if he did a whole season like this, that's, uh, like, that, that's quite the asset. Too bad that he's on the Royals and uh, the rest of the team, there's, like, maybe three guys that are like legitimate major leaguers potentially. So if we had a chance to work with McKay and see what his stolen base total looks like 
obviously 39 out of 49 is okay. That's like being that's like average. Yeah, I mean, I, is, I, that, I call that volume based stealing. Just looking at his his uh, if you just look how much he's improved from the first half to the second half is is dramatic. Um, I'm, you know. It's, if he, uh, it's a shame that he really like. I mean, he was a good favorite for rookie of the year, and he just didn't have a good first season. And it happens. That's the thing you have to remember: is like sometimes rookies just have a, you know, take some while to adjust, or sometimes they stay awful. Like or they hit like uh, you know, Paven Smith or Buddy Kennedy, or, or you know, well, none of those guys are top prospects. We know so that's not a fa- that's not a fair segment segue. Yeah, that's not a fair comparison, but still. You know, well, you, I was going to say Orgelio Rodriguez, who's yeah, backed up a six-war season with a five-war on pace for six-war again. Yeah, it's not in a weirder way. Like a, a Corbin Carroll kind of rookie year, or a you know Julio Rodriguez kind of for like you know rookie year. It's just not, it's not the normal thing. Like you can't expect that. There's a lot of people who like you, you read on X about, uh, you know, like I'm actually call up. You know, I actually say it. You call him Jordan Waller. I, you know, I think it would make a huge difference. But you can't actually expect him to, to really, you know, be another Corbin Carroll and like immediately make an impact. Like that's not a fair thing to ask. Most you're asking, runs. you're asking Jordan Waller to make an impact with uh, the team staring down a postseason run, and you're trying yeah. to bank on someone who's 20 years old, and that's not necessarily a great strategy. You know, yeah, probably Plus, then you not, also have a lot of roster moving parts that you have to deal with too. Yeah, the roster complications are the real reason not to do it. I I do acknowledge that. Like it's Whereas it, it makes much look, more sense to do it out of spring training next year, or you know, a month like in later in May. Uh, you know, after spending a little more time in Reno, like that does that does make the most sense. I, I do uh, I do admit that, Michael. You know that I just you know sometimes I like to argue. Just to shake things up, I think it would be a good move. I mean, the sample size in Reno is so short. Lawler can go four for four, and his WRC plus goes from ninety eight to one hundred forty. Yeah, it is very tiny. But for whatever, okay. for but for reference, it's at one thirty one right now, and you combine that with the fact that he finished strong in Double A. Yeah, he looks close to big league ready with the bat. Like his strikeout walk rates in uh, Reno are consistent with the strikeout and walk rates that he had in his final 57 games in Amarillo. Yeah, no, he's, he, he very much seems that the bats, the bats ready. Um, I think that, I mean, right now, I mean, I would much rather have had Jordan Waller, uh, you know, called up since the last, like, you know, last week. uh, The D-backs were. The other names who called up. D-backs were out of the playoff picture. I think Lawler would have been called up, but yeah, uh, like Carroll was last year, but because you'd be more willing to make uh, more willing to, I guess, uh, prioritize getting him ready for twenty-four. But the team's not necessarily look looking for. Although I disagree with the idea of not trying to put a talent infusion on your roster, but it's a. Uh, they clearly it's value a lot Ahmed. to put on a guy who's 20, you know, and they yeah. value Ahmed. 21. There's reasons, but... you know, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, he does turn 21. There's a lot of pressure to put on him. I mean, to to you argue against that is that, like, there's a reason why he's a top 10 prospect. 
Uh, I think a lot it's a high ranking, is, but it is a high ranking. I feel like it's uh, top but twenty, but not top ten. That's that very much seems like semantics to me. Like, um, it's really I think the main like right now there's such quality talent coming up that like I'd say the real drop off is actually after like the top top thirty. From like you know the elite, the upper think... like the upper echelon prospects to the, you know, you know a top prospect quote unquote. I'm gonna say there's definitely some. I have some concerns about Nate, some top twenty guys when you look at this list. Obviously, maybe based on Emily Pipeline's list, I think Lawler is a top one hundred guy. I don't think Jackson Merrill's a better prospect than Jordan Lawler. That's yeah, my personal yeah, opinion, but that's I because Merritt that. is l- unlikely to stick at shortstop, given what, given that the uh, Padres gave Bogarts a two hundred eighty million dollar contract. So where, where, where are they going to play him? <laughs> He's trade at best. There, you know, I really yeah. don't think that the they're going to they trade him. Is I don't even think he'll he'll. Uh, he, I think he he will end up with a different different team within the next three years. And Marcelo Mayer, obviously, I think it's more tools based, but Mayer's having a really awful year at at Double A as well. He had, he had basically the opposite thing. I mean, he actually got off to a pretty good start, and then he's just been awful and like mired, very bad slump throughout the rest of the season. So, um, kind of the opposite of what Lawler did is uh, Lawler's basically just improved since uh, middle of May, and just gotten better. Is there any information you derived, you know, from your interview with him recently that you you could contribute? No, nah, there, there's not much from there. I mean, if you're talking about the article, the uh, slump seems like uh, the slump thing was just getting the approach, getting the approach and the swing the lineup, and then once he did, obviously we know what happened next. 147 okay. WRC plus in his last. 57 games in Amarillo, and we're talking 47% better than the average runner when we throw WRC Plus out there. But then uh, carrying it over the Reno, then it's 131 in the next uh, 15 games. So that's 62 uh, 62 games with a WRC Plus of about 142, 143, I would say, in the upper minors. Yeah. This is a shortstop. That's shortstop. At shortstop, uh, he he has the potential. Like if he if he can get both, like the, the this is defense going. That's a really like question I've always you know you hear is like this defense is not consistent enough to you know is that is he consistent enough is one I've heard, and I think it's like him just getting the rep the reps. Like he has the physical talent and the the tools to be uh, an elite defender if he really works at it. I think he I think he has the the work ethic. Yeah, if, if you, so Fangraphs actually did, wrote an article recently, published an article about the top shortstop prospects and their defensive skills, and uh, they they said they had some good things to say about Lawler. They said his uh, throwing stroke is smoothened out a little bit more, so maybe we because his arm his arm strength is pretty well. the The term that scouts would use for his arm strength is fringy. Okay, but uh. Because when I watched him in the fall league, there was nothing. If fall league in, in spring training, it, it felt like it 
he was winding up and the ball just didn't come out right. It, it always seemed like a mechan- mechanical issue with him of just like getting the right footwork and, uh, you know, throwing angle and all that, you know, all this very, just the mechanical nature of playing defense and like this, it's just getting reputa- rep- reps for it. I mean, it seems like he's really, he's just improving in all areas. Uh, so like that's, that's one of the reasons why I, I agree. I really would say he's a top 10 prospect is that it's, you might say that there's, there's, you know, there's players with better tools than him, but the makeup that he has kind of makes up the difference for me. But yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think he can, he'll, he'll he's make that up just by working at it. Yeah. He's an 80 makeup guy for me. And even though Lawler's arm strength isn't necessarily great, he's got a, he gets the rid of the ball. He's got a good release. He can throw from all the platform. He can make off platform throws. No, he's done throw a howitzer on a ball hitting the hole, but that's about the only knock you can have on him in his shortstop defense. Yeah, that's, and you know, I I I, you know, I do think that you can gain a little bit of you know you'll gain more arm strength at his age where you know, it's his it's gonna, I I would just expect him to prove at least slightly in that area. Yeah, if you had Bla- if you had Blaze Alexander's arm, we'd be talking about probably a top five prospect. Oh, easily for sure. Uh, that's the one tool. That's the one knock on him is like he just doesn't have a cannon for an arm. But yeah, I, you know, I was surprised. Who already I'm, has I, him as I, top five? Do they? Do oh yeah, I guess they do. Uh, <laughs> Fangraphs. That's one of the like other things about them. They're like they're all over the place in terms of their rankings. And I mean, it's like like one. It's just a. Uh, just the nature of having multiple different, you know, people doing things, but it's just like they're all over the place sometimes with the prospect stuff. Like I do not understand it. Like, Kylie, Kylie King, a great prospect value, prospect evaluator, but um, sometimes like their like rankings really make me raise an eyebrow. But uh. Pretty much every website has Lawler as a 60 feature value guy. And, of course, if you don't know, in uh, kind of a little bit of context, 60 feature value guy is a first division regular. So would Lawler be a starting shortstop on the Dodgers next year? If the answer is yes. Mm, really, yeah, I mean, are you going to play Mookie Betts shortstop again next year? Uh, you know, that's the only. Hey, don't knock it. Playing, it works. If you're not playing Mookie Betts at shortstop, then yeah, you'd start him at shortstop. But have him turn double yeah. plays with Mookie. Yeah, that's kind of what you, you. I actually, I, I, you know, I, I think that I mean he should be the starting shortstop next year. Like, there's no reason why he's not. I mean, I, I argue against. I mean, I think he's very close ready. I don't know what else other than just the reps every day that he needs. Like that's the real argument to be made. Plus, you don't want to. At this point, there's really no point calling him up because you're just burning, you know. I mean, you're burning if his Jordan Law- If Jordan Lawler finishes top two in rookie of the year next year, there's no point in service time manipulation. If he's ready, just go. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't. I, they're past that point though, right now. So it's really like I don't. The only way Lawler should, would be postseason eligible is if basically Nick Ahmed or gets injured, or Aldo Perdomo has either guy has to sit out a series or two. The, if the D-backs make the postseason, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I would assume that he's going to be the starting first off next year. I just think that that you know, the 
they obviously value Nicomed and it's just this team's defense is has been frustrating at times. Um Nicomed from a few years ago uh would have made a lot of plays that he has not I see I see he's lost a step. Um he's just looked more and more cooked to me. As time goes on, I, I mean, I don't really like if the, the Diamondbacks are going to pull themselves out of this, uh, what is it, one in six week? Um, one in five. One in five week. You know, the day off. So one in five week, they're going to pull them out of it. Uh, the, the best, they play the Rockies next. End their season. Better opponent. So yeah, yeah. the D-backs, if they sweep the Rockies, will eliminate them from postseason contention. Officially. Yeah. What a better way to turn things around, you know? So let's see. That's what I'd like to see going, you know, this, this series coming up. Obviously, What's the D-backs are going to get? The D-backs are in a pretty familiar, favorite, favoring situation again with the scheduling because they got two teams that they're um, – two teams that are near each other in the wild card are squaring off as the Giants are playing the Cubs this week. This week. Logan Webb yeah, and Justin Steele are going to try and win the Cy Young Award today. Either either way that works out, you know, for us. It's like who matter who wins. It's the best best kind of scheduling luck right there. Um, what's your predictions for this? The, you said earlier that somehow the the Diamondbacks would walk away without sweeping the Rockies again. Uh, I'm going to predict that they sweep. I feel like anything short of a sweep is going to be very disappointing. Just like when we talked about the just yeah. like the Memorial Day series. It's the Rockies. Anything short of sweep was disappointing, and they almost didn't. But then Corbin Carroll obviously is rookie of the year. Yeah, and his first uh, rookie of the year moment to finish off that series. And it's a day. It's a day game today. Yep. First pitch at one ten. At one ten on okay, Monday. So we're well, in about an hour and a half. You know, I did this totally date this live stream when we then clipped out later. Um, I, I'm assuming Mer- Merrill Kelly is the scheduled starter for today. Do you have any predictions for today's game? Uh, uh, I got. I think Merrill Kelly will throw a very good game today. Give, give me. Give Question me is, can the offense score five? If the offense can score five runs, they're going to win. Yeah, In that's really that's what that's what's going to take. Um, and Kelly's pitched very well against the Rockies this year. Like his best game of the season came against them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like they, he pretty much. You have to like factor in the fact. You have to factor in the fact that tw- getting twenty-one whiffs and thirty-eight called strikes plus whiffs at Coors Field is downright amazing. Yeah, I mean, they are. I mean, the one benefit is is they're playing the Rockies at home. Like that's couldn't ask for a better, like you know, really way to turn this around. Yeah, I don't know if that honestly, like that's the real question is. Uh, Let's see the lineup, and I'll make some predictions here. Looking at today's lineup, uh, which should be out, obviously. I don't know what the – Yeah, it should uh, be out right now. So, yeah, for the inside, the Diamondbacks thing, uh, Jack Summers, Jake Oliver will be covering today's game. I'll be going tomorrow, and then Jack's covering Wednesday. Very one curious. Okay, so the D-backs are rolling Alec Thomas in the two-hole. Fam is back in the lineup. After injuring his pinky thumb, slamming the bat like that in the bat rack. It was scratched yeah. yesterday. Come on, Tommy. What are you doing? 
Well, yeah, what are you doing? And then you got... Uh, well, actually, you only got Peterson and Ahmed stacked together at 7-8 in the 8th spot. And uh, Ahmed's facing a right-handed pitcher, and he's hitting over 300 against Rice this year because I don't know. It's like, who knows? Diamondbacks stink. That's not a bad lineup. This is probably the best lineup that they've fielded in the last week, honestly. Carol, Tom. I mean, Thomas. Uh, Thomas at home against righties. Yeah, he he gets well against righties. As he's he's been acceptable. He's more defense than anything. Fam has been on and above. I mean, hopefully that that hurting his pinky doesn't uh, affect your game too much. That's like surprisingly, it really affects your grip strength. <laughs> like breaking a pinky, I've done that before. So, um, yeah, hopefully he, he's recovered from that fully or enough that it doesn't affect his hitting. Obviously, Walker and Guriel have been real hot. Moreno has been real hot. I mean, that's. Um, they, I mean, yeah, they should they should win the day's game. They need to score five runs. They can't score five runs again. I was gonna say if you can't score five runs against the Rockies, what are you doing? And Tori yeah. mentioned yesterday that the team seems to be in these runners in scoring position situations seems to be very over anxious to get the at bats over with, which is a really troubling sign. Yeah, that's not. I, there are times where I feel like this team does not want to see a strike get through. It's afraid to take a strike. Yeah, that is something. Like, they really haven't shown. Like, I mean, maybe I've just been, uh, you know, some confirmation bias because I've seen too many Caven Smith and Buddy Kennedy at passes. Smith's <laughs> actually one of the few guys but... that's willing to take a strike. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, he, but he has actually hasn't. I don't think he threw a single walk in the last few games, so it doesn't matter if he's taking like Smith has almost the opposite problem. He just takes three strikes, and it's like, okay, yeah, you're done. You're not gonna yeah, hack what, at all, dude. What happens is he misses his one pitch to hit and then falls victim to the pitcher's pitch late in the count. Yeah, that's what usually happens. Um, they're facing a guy with a four, like almost five year ray, guy that's whose career's never gotten off the ground. Yeah, so. that's that's one of those things that uh, like they should win against the Rockies. Like four hours from now, uh, the that's what we should be. You know, that should be the discussion of most Diamondbacks fans. Would be oh yeah, we beat the Rockies and had a great you know. There's the offense and all that stuff. They need to keep it up. Otherwise, like I mean, they don't win against this series, and yeah, it's it's done. Yeah, don't sweep the Rockies. Then you got Chicago for four, the Mets for four, and that's the Mets you got to take three or four. Oh, Chicago on God the road, you can, I can live with a split. God forbid they get swept by the Rockies. Is what I'm saying. Their season's done at that point. You can't afford to do that. Getting swept by the Rockies would be a... Uh, what the hell happened to this team moment? Yeah, I mean, it's very uh, bipolar to go from having a really hot streak to being... You know, swept by the Dodgers, losing a series to the Orioles, and then getting swept by the Rockies. Like, that's – I would call the season done if that happens because that's uh, a one in in eight record over nine games, which is just just awful. Like, they can't afford to do that. The margins are too thin for them to make the postseason. So to close it out, we'll talk about the D-backs' September record. So last two years and change, the D-backs are 22 and 
42 in September. They're off to a one and th- one and two start. Obviously, the schedule is going to be much easier from the finish. But some, but I got to ask this question: with the style of play this team likes to do, all out balls to the wall, grind for every base, play great defense. Is do you think that having it? Do you think there's a possibility that this team could run out of gas in, this September once again? You know, I until you said that, I hadn't really considered the possibility of it, and that's very much uh, that could be a problem. I mean, it does look like like Guriel, who is a guy like you were you were saying yourself, like he has horrible second halves. He's having a much better second half than he used to. So clearly, like the guy who, uh, I mean, if he falls off, he falls off, but he's he's been pretty he's stayed hot for a guy that's traditionally not a good second half player. Um, Christian Walker's stayed hot. Corbin Carroll seems seems to kind of, I mean, he's sitting in his solo. He's got some really, I mean, the only hits I've really noticed from Corbin Carroll have been solo home runs, but, uh, you know, it is what it, that, that is what, it's the other players that I really like. Nick Ahmed is the one I, I think he's just like falling off completely. Um, Cattell Morque, uh, he's seen like Cattell all season. He hasn't really had much variability in terms of like, how much he's playing. I mean, the one guy I'd be, th- I'd be talking about would be Carol, uh, Alec Thomas, and Jake McCarthy. Jake McCarthy's back in Reno. We may see him again before the end of the season. But, yeah, you got to wonder that. But they're pretty young guys, man. Like, I don't, I don't think that should be too much of a problem. It's not like they're a bunch of veteran players running around, like, their hair on fire like Eric Burns, you know? <laughs> yeah, the thing that worries me, obviously, I th- I'll have to take a look at the career splits for Marte, but I feel like Marte is a slow finisher. That seems that seems to jive right with what I. Okay, there's no data it? suggesting that, but uh, his worst worst months of in terms of OPS in his career are August and March, April. He's of course, sir. <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> That's really the thing. We're talking about Cattell Marte. He's those. He's a hot and cold. He's very much a a streaky yeah, hitter, though. And he's yeah, been had a pretty awful August. Yeah, he seems to be coming around. I mean, that's what we do. It's, I, I don't think it's a factor. I mean, you're talking about like this fatigue from from putting too much effort into it. I think it's they're putting too much pressure on themselves. And that's yeah, really what so. the main thing is. It's just been putting too much pressure on. Like they had the, they were doing great until it looked like they might run away with the division, and then they just. Apart. Well, it and never felt like they were going to run away with the division. We were just waiting for the Dodgers to wake up, yeah. basically. And catch up. Yeah. Or get yeah, healthy, I just think that, I think really just the pressure of having, you know, because the other teams were, were really in it early on. Like, they beat the Padres. They beat the Dodgers. They, beat, they were beating all the other teams in the division early on this year. And well, Actually, they weren't beating the Padres early this season, ironically, but they did win the season series. They, yeah, and the D-backs basically ended the Padres' season last month, winning five of seven in the ten-game span. I just, I'm not really, I don't really know what is going on with this team. Like it's one of those things that I, I guess we'll have to look at at the end of the year and try to figure out like what exactly is going on with this team. Because uh, Tori on Friday said that the expectations have been raised to making the playoffs, not necessarily competing at the end yeah. of the season. I think the pressure of that, like, that was the thing. It really is. Like, they went from having, like, really, like, will they have a, you know, like, be decent enough to, like, be 10, not necessarily make playoffs. And I mean, it's they are contending. In front of them. 
the expectation then turned into them, okay, well, are they going to win the division? And that kind of flew out the window in July. Yeah, so that flew out the window. And now it's like, I think maybe just the pressure of like, you know, okay, well, we're going to make the postseason now. Like that, putting that, the difference in the mindset of like, and maybe that made a difference. It shouldn't make a difference, but sports psychology is very weird. So, you know, who knows? The D-backs get hot for 15 games. That might be enough. That's all, that's all they need. Uh, a, t- a streak where they go eight and two in ten games could be enough. Actually, they go eight and two in ten games, play five hundred the rest of the way. That's a postseason slot, right there. Oh yeah, it is. Um, and they've had some pretty light opponents on their schedule. Colorado coming up, and then you got a White Sox team that is an absolute disaster of a franchise right now. The Yankees are having an awful year as well, and they and they probably are staring down a, re- a potential rebuild. No, oh, the, the team's gonna be torn down. And then, I would not. I would be very surprised if Brian Cashman keeps his job at the end of the year. And, Although uh, I would also actually, not be surprised if he does. And then uh, Houston isn't the same juggernaut they were the last five or six years at the same time. But Houston's your toughest opponent coming, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. They're not the Dodgers. They're not. The, they're not. They're not the inevitable team they were last year. Yeah, they're they're not that team anymore. Um, yeah, they're definitely not the Dodgers, uh, the, or the or the Braves, and so it's really like they. I mean, it's they they could easily, they they should be able to make the postseason. Like I mean, that's my my, like, the highest expectation I have for them is just lift them with the third wild card. I really don't and like. He, I don't necessarily expect them to make postseason. I was to say, the D-backs are, I think are a better team than San Francisco. Yes, I think so too. And I think they're good enough to win four out of seven against the Cubs. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that they're they're better. I think they're a better team than the Cubs. I feel like the Cubs are definitely at full strength. They're a better team than the Diamondbacks are. Yeah, that's that, yeah. I, I meet in the middle there. Well, they, a healthy Marcus Stroman puts them over the top, in my opinion. But obviously, yeah, right uh, now, right now Stroman's out of the. That's really what I'm saying. Like this, I think the Diamondbacks are a better. Stroman's team. out. You don't know when uh, the workload will catch up the steel. It might not. We'll look at Steele's numbers. So, yeah, Steele's numbers haven't really regressed at all. So, yeah, Steele's definitely like still looking get... like a Cy Young favorite. Yeah, he looks like, I mean, you know what? I would, you know, I love when a guy, we both are predicted him to fall off. Yeah, Same Steel's, thing with uh, Snell. He likes run into him twice. So, yeah, I mean, they, they could... They could certainly hurt his Cy Young chances. Guy Zach Allen has really hurt his. I, I think that's the real the the one thing is, is if Zach Allen doesn't return back to the Cy Young caliber that Zach Allen the postseason is done. Yeah, you need Merrill Kelly and it. Zach Gallen, Gallen to pitch like. Yeah, pitch like a Cy Gallen needs to pitch like a Cy Young contender, and then Merrill Kelly just needs to continue his how he pitches well against non Dodger teams. Just keep doing you, Meryl. That's what we need you to do. Yeah. Sometimes uh, your t- one team's your kryptonite. Unfortunately for Meryl Kelly, it's in his own division. Yeah, that's it is unfortunate for him. I mean, that's really uh, I, the, the rest although of the rotation. Did, although you can argue, I mean, he had two. Although you can argue Kelly's done better this year than other years. He's had two scoreless starts against them. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's improvement. I mean, this is very much a different Dodger team, so you can't really. I mean, that was last month that he threw six scoreless. Yeah. Have... But yeah, that's basically the path forward. You need your two top starters to pitch like all-stars. Bullpen needs to be a slightly better than awful. Yeah. And the D-backs need to start making things happen offensively. That's yeah, the way, that's they... the way forward. I, yeah, yeah, that's exactly like, I mean, you need to be able to count on the guys like, okay, yeah, you can count on Grio. You can count on Walker, Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Moreno. You need to be able to count on, you know, like, I could tell Marte, like, but you need to be able to count on all the other players offensively and you really can't right now. And it's just like, they can't seem to string together a big inning themselves. And that's like, that's what you need to stick up. I mean, I'd say the key to the game and the series is string some big innings against the, uh, the Rockies. Like, blow them out. Like, they need to just, like, prove they're that much of a better team. That will really help their confidence, I think. All right, so thanks, everyone, for watching today's episode. Again, uh, you can catch the entire podcast episode on YouTube, on, and we'll be uploading different segments in there. Make sure to hit that like button. Subscribe if you're coming in onto the podcast. And make sure to uh, turn on the bell for notifications so that way you don't miss a live stream. And Wes is finally, <laughs> finally exasperated. I remember the bell. And then comment down below what you think bell. the D-backs record will be in the final 25 games. I'm going to say 15 and 10. They're going to do it. What does that have them finish at? 85 wins. Um, I'm going to go with 17 and 7. Two better. Well, well, you gotta add one more game to that. Okay. Seventeen uh, eight. Seventeen and eight. Yeah. So that would be eighty-seven wins. That would be. That was, my, ini- yeah. that was my initial prediction on Snake Pit this year was eighty-seven right. wins. Stay or they lose moment. eighty-seven. I don't think they can lose eighty-seven now. So let's let's see if my optimistic prediction was they right. They could, but that would require game. losing every game. All but. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that not be a five and ten out there. Oh no. God! Yeah, let's not let's not just say we did. But uh, yeah, like and subscribe. We'll see you next time. This on if you're listening on audio formats, whether you're on app, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. Sure to check out the YouTube channel where we upload shorts. Where I upload shorts from the ballpark because you guys love them as well. So just make sure to check out our stuff and do all the fun stuff.